Welcome to Off Message. I'm Isaac DeVere. Today's guest, Maz Jobrani, the comedian and actor, whom you might recognize from the show Superior Donuts, or Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, or his stand-up, or all the times he's played a terrorist. I fit the profile, he joked to me. He's Iranian, came here when he was six, on a visa that it's possible he overstayed. He said he never got a clear answer from his parents about it. They came right after the Iranian Revolution. Jobrani has a new Netflix special out August 1st called Immigrant, which we caught up in New York recently to talk about. Part of it is about that story, coming to America, understanding his place here. He talks about how his thinking has been challenged and reshaped by the political moment we're in. Do you risk losing an audience? Do you risk minimizing things that you care about? Do you risk being too earnest so you're not funny? Jobrani has a whole bit, for example, about going to protest the travel ban at LAX and how he totally fell in love with the idea of protesting. But then, once the police showed up, how differently he realized he was taking to it than some of the white people who were there. At one point he said to me, Trump has emboldened racists. There's no joke, there's no punchline, he said. But then he added, but I think if you do that, you better have a punchline coming soon. So a little dose of comedy amid the politics for this one. It was an interesting conversation, and the special is worth your time too. But before you Netflix and chill to watch it, remember to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Episodes coming up, former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick on what the 2020 presidential election might look like for him, Alaska Governor Bill Walker on being the only independent governor, or catch up on recent episodes like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Cuban journalist Christina Escobar, and North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper. Follow me on Twitter and on Facebook at Isaac Dover, and keep sending me those emails and I'll keep writing back. And now, my conversation with Maz Jobrani. So it's called Immigrant. You shot it in D.C. You point out that you had always wanted to shoot a special in D.C. Uh, why did you always want to shoot a special in D.C.? And, and does it all, would it have been called Immigrant if Donald Trump weren't the president? Uh, good questions. Very good questions. First of all, the reason I've always wanted to shoot a special in Washington, D.C. is I think D.C. has some of the best crowds. Um, I've always said that when people ask me where are the best crowds, I always say D.C., Stockholm, San Francisco, anywhere that's very cosmopolitan, um, and I would say very liberal for me. It's, it's very, not a, a lot of people would put like D.C., Stockholm, and San Francisco in the same category. For me, I do. You know, I got T-shirts. <laughs> all three of them. No, I. It's uh, it's, it's just. I think D.C. audiences are so politically aware that you don't have to explain anything. And I, like I said, I think they they lean left, and I'm pretty left leaning myself. So. Um, it's just great not to have to. I, the example I give is I used to do a joke under the Bush administration where I referenced um, the former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, John Bolton. And when I did it in D.C., I just mentioned John Bolton, and they knew who it was. But anywhere else in the country I did it, I would say he is the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. And the United Nations is this thing in New York. You know, it's like you got to Slow, explain. Slows down the joke a little bit. Slows down the joke. Um, so that's one reason. So I thought they have the be- some of the best audiences. And you actually go historically, you look at it. Um, Eddie Murphy did um, Delirious in D.C. Um, and uh, I think Chappelle's done D.C. There's a lot of really good He's specials. From He's so, from yeah. D.C. He's from D.C. Louis C.K.'s recent special was in D.C. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people like shooting in D.C. Uh, and so, yeah, I was excited to do it. And the title, Immigrant, yeah, it, it would not have been called Maserbani Immigrant if it weren't for Trump. Um, riling up the masses against immigrants these days um, I, I feel and it's funny because whenever I mention immigrant uh, 
people that are immigrants, they go, well, he's talking about illegal immigrants. And I go, well, my response to that is that a lot of people get here illegally but then become legal. Um, my own visa, when I look at it, I actually, for the, for the poster, um, I took a picture of myself from when I was around the third grade uh, and I was recently in America, you know, I, I, I arrived in America, I think, first grade or so, so late 78. Um, and I found my old passport from when I was a baby in Iran, and it had the visa in the passport. So I took that visa and had the, the designer add it to the poster. So if you look closely, you'll see the visa. And on the visa, it says, um, for visitation purposes only. Like, I wasn't supposed to stay longer. Um, but what happened was, we left, I, I arrived December 5th, 1978, and then the situation in Iran got worse and worse. And I believe, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, that my father was able to then obtain a green card because of uh, political asylum. He wasn't in the government in Iran, but he had a lot of friends who were. So it was possible that if he had gone back, he would have been persecuted or what have you. But when your family came over, they were expecting to stay? You, weren't, you didn't come on a visit, No, right? no, originally it was a visit. So that's what I, I explained that all the time, because I don't know what was going on in the, my parents' minds, but a lot of Iranians that I've spoken to, I think a lot of Iranians thought that the Shah was going to squash the protests, as there had been protests throughout the 70s and you know, things had moved on. So I think a lot of Iranians thought that, that that's what was going to happen. So my father was on business in New York, and he sent for my mother to bring my sister and me to New York for our, um, for our winter break. And we were supposed to come for two weeks. And I always say we, we packed for two weeks. We stayed for 40 years. And we actually we left my baby brother back in Iran because we thought we'd be back. But then we didn't go back. So we had to have him, you know, we had like a nanny and some relatives bring him later. Um, but that's a common story. I've talked to a lot of Iranians who go, yeah, we just thought we'd be gone for a little bit. And then it just kept going. But you are, you did not overstay your visa illegally, you are. I have no idea. Maybe I did originally. Like, you know, think about it. I have no idea. I was a, I was a kid. So I don't know if, if originally that visa had expired when I was still here. But my father obviously was able to, you know, he was a businessman who had also was all able to bring a lot of his money to America. And so I think they got, once they realized we're staying, then they got into becoming getting legal status in the country. But again, the, the argument I make, I know a lot of uh, people of, from Latin America or from Mexico or other parts where they are good people doing good things in America and they had to get here illegally. Not everyone's privileged enough to be able to fly first class on Pan Am, which I think is how I landed. You know, it's pretty good for a first grader. I'm telling you, we ended up at the Plaza Hotel across from FAO Schwartz. That also was my, pretty good for a first grader. Yeah, it was a, I was like, I was loving America when I first landed. But, you know, but that's why, again, the title immigrant, the reason I used my picture as a kid was because when the travel ban happened, it was so poorly implemented, and there were so many people being affected by it, and the administration was trying to be so kind of blasé and go, no, it's just some inconvenience at the airports. But really, there was families that were being torn apart. People needed medical attention, couldn't get medical attention. I heard a story on NPR about uh, a Syrian family who'd been in a refugee camp for several years. They'd been vetted. They were told you can come. They sold all their belongings. And then last minute told you can't come. So whereas Trump was trying to portray the immigrants that weren't getting in as terrorists, the reality was there was little kids and there's people that, that have gone through the vetting process. And that's why I put my kid picture on there and put immigrant because those are the immigrants that we are keeping out. And, and so, yeah, it really was a statement against Trump's statements. You went to the airport and protested. And in, your, in the special, you talk about 
protesting make uh, there's a bit about it and uh, the difference between being an immigrant protesting when the police show up and uh, and when uh, you have people who are American-born white people who are uh, their response to the police much more in the face of police officers. You care about these things. Uh, you cared about enough to show up and protest, but then to try to translate that into uh, material that you laugh about. I mean, every comedian draws stuff from their lives. Well, but I then- think yeah, I think talking about the protest is a good thing because I'm honestly encouraging people to go out and protest. I go if you haven't protested, you totally should. I go so much fun. You know, they give you cookies. Yeah. You, you march. It's good exercise. Um, so. It, there's a joke, but there's, but there's also a message. Like, go do it. Uh, I think giving a serious message through comedy is a great way to get a message across. Uh, I heard D.L. Hughley say one time, uh, comedy is like giving people their medicine in orange juice. They don't taste it. So yeah, I was at the. I mean, I got to take from my own experiences. So I was at the protest. And um, the way I describe it, obviously, like, you know, you take the story and you got to twist it a little bit. So it wasn't that I was marching with these guys. I was actually this, this girl who's a, I won't call her a professional protester, but she's really politically active, who had contacted me and said, hey, we're going down. You guys, you know, you and these other comedians want to come because she knows I talk about politics in my stand up. I said, yeah, I'm coming down. And then when I went down there, in all honesty, at LAX, like, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't take my kids because I was a little worried that it was going to get violent. But when I got down there, it was such a positive environment, and it was such a mix, and it was so beautiful. And there's people with kids there, and I really regretted not having my kids there. But what did happen was, at a certain point, this girl that was you know, politically active was kind of taking me to different parts and showing me and giving me a tour. And I was like Facebook live streaming to like you know tell people, hey, this is going on. It felt so beautiful, and we did. We ended up at the uh, departure level at LAX, which is above. And then we looked down to the arrivals where the protesters were continuing to march. So there's protests going all around. And we saw the riot police came out because basically it was towards the end of the whatever the time permitted time was. So we saw the riot police come out and I saw this white guy go up to this one guy, riot police, and started like waving his finger in his face. And I saw the riot police going for his baton and the other cops were kind of holding this guy back. And I'm freaking out. But as a comedian, it also registers like the balls on this white guy to go up and put his finger in the face of the cop. And how me, as someone who was not born in America, I don't know if I would have the balls to do that because I feel somewhere in the back of my mind, I would feel like they could take my citizenship away and send me back to Iran. Do you feel that feeling more now with Trump as president? Or is that why you feel like they could take your citizenship? Or is it just... Uh, that that's always in the back of Probably mind. a combination of both. I mean, I always feel like, I mean, I used to do a joke about how after September 11th, going through airport security, I fit the profile. I was a Middle Eastern male, whatever. You, play, you I, played a terrorist. And- I played a terrorist. Like, I really, I like fit the profile. Like, I, and, and I remember going through airport security the first time, and I was like scared that the metal detector was going to go off and they were going to catch me for having a weapon. I didn't, I didn't even own a weapon, but I was like, how, you know, I don't even own a gun. So, you know, Sometimes you have a little sense of a paranoia that comes into your mind. I mean, unless if I were probably, if I, you know, I, look, I know some of my rights and I'm, I'm, I'm educated, but I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an immigration lawyer. So, and, and then also seeing what they do now. I mean, just, you know, the, the excuses they've used, like they said, you know, we're going to go after the bad guys. I mean, we're only going to get the bad guys. But then you hear about guys who committed crimes like 30 years ago, they've served the time, but now they're getting rid of them. Like, you know, Iraqi Chaldeans being sent home and... There's no absolutes. Like, I mean, I, I gave a commencement speech at Cal, and in there I mentioned that 
you realize that no matter how American I am, I've been here for most of my life, there are people that still don't consider me American. And also, the way they implemented the travel ban, originally, they, the green card holders were part of it. So it's like, okay, if you're going green card holders, what's next? And also, a lot of people, a lot of people defending the travel ban, they were like, it's just 90 days to figure it out. I go, no, the 90 days is the administration putting their toe in the water to see how it goes. And I think they would go more extreme you know, like suddenly more countries could end up on there. Suddenly people like myself. I mean, if you look at it, Trump, again, I've been saying this, when Omar Mateen did his, um, uh, the thing in, the, in, in Orlando where he did the shooting, Trump tweeted the next day. The he goes, pulse if, shooting. The pulse right, shooting. Yeah. He goes, if my travel ban had been in place, this never would have happened. And I go, wait a minute. This Omar Mateen was born in America. His father's from Afghanistan. So you're saying if your travel ban were to go retroactive 30 years back, then it would have stopped this. So, yeah, I think I honestly do feel that there is a thing in my mind that my rights could be taken away at any minute. And, and not, just, not just my rights, anybody's rights. So do you worry about, uh, you tell jokes about it, and the, the, you, it's the orange juice uh, is one theory, but then there are other people who might say, like, are you minimizing it? Are you uh, Not at all. I'm not minimizing it at all. I think that if you look at me on stage and you see what I'm saying, I'm being sincere about it. Um, and also, I take time in the special, as you've seen, to to make some serious points. I do say at some point, I go, Trump needs to start taking uh, responsibility for his words because the words do matter. He has emboldened racists. I say that. There's no joke. There's no punchline. But I think if you do that, you better have a punchline coming soon. But I but I made a point to do that. I, I you know I try. It's not joke, 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 joke the whole time. There are moments of sincerity. Even when I say immigrants contribute. To America, we love America. We contribute to America, whether it's financially, whatever, even culturally. Now, I've made a statement, but then I give you the joke, which is like, oh, let me teach you something you can do if you ever get stuck in the middle of a song. Here's an immigrant teaching you. If you don't know the lyrics to a song, all you gotta do, all you gotta do, la 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 la. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's a silly cultural uh, contribution, but. The underlying message is serious. I don't think I'm trying to minimize it at all, and I, I don't think it minimizes it. it. The jokes received differently uh, outside of Stockholm, uh, San Francisco, and Washington. When you, how, how is it that they're landing, or what are you noticing in the crowds? You must play in front of some Trump voters, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think I love it when the crowd is with me 100%. Um, that D.C. crowd in the special was really hot. I'm sure there were some people in the D.C. crowd that, that might have supported Trump. I know, and I do a joke about it, I know that a lot of immigrants do support Trump because a lot of immigrants see him as a tough guy. A lot of Iranians think that Trump is going to help overthrow this regime in Iran, which to me, it's just, it's, it, it sounds ludicrous because a lot of Iranians want America to attack Iran and get rid of the regime. And you, you talk in the special about how your mother said yeah, she likes yeah. that Trump speaks his mind, yeah. right? Which is something that uh, a lot of people like about uh, liked about him during the campaign the and continue line. to like about him. My own mother, she goes, Mars, I like this guy because he say what is on his mind. I go, Mom, are you crazy? He's anti-immigrant. If he becomes president, your relatives can't come to visit you. She goes, I don't like them anyway. Has your mother's opinion of him changed? Well, let me tell you, too. first of all, my mom, I ex- again, that was an exaggeration of what happened. What happened was she goes, huh? she goes, this guy is very entertaining. Or she said something along those lines with like a little smile on her face. And I was like, 
you like him? You, you, you like this guy? And she's like, no, he just says what comes to his mind. And that led to the bit of my mom going, this, I like this guy because he says what's on his mind. And I actually said to her, I go, are you going to vote for him? And she's like, no, I wouldn't vote for him. It's just, you know, uh, that he just says what's on his mind. So I felt bad in a way, like I almost throw my mom under the bus in it. But the truth is that my mom was even entertained by this guy. And I was trying to drive home to her that he, he's dangerous. He's not entertaining. He's dangerous. Just because he says what's on his mind, it's ridiculous. I, I had so many moments where I'm just like, screaming at the television going you can't just say that like in the debate when he says about he knows some of the hot topics so he goes if you elect hillary she's going to have uh, abortion rights so that you can pull a baby out in the like the ninth month you can pull a baby out and kill it and she's like i never said that but whoever his supporters are they're watching they're going like oh yeah that's going to happen i'm anti-abortion i'm not going to vote for her it was just ludicrous so my mom, I don't think, ever necessarily supported him. And in all honesty, my mom ended up not voting because she didn't register in time. And we're in California, so I don't know if her vote would have mattered. But yeah, I think she sees how ridiculous the guy is. I do have a lot of Republican friends who now have said, listen, I'm Republican. I'm, I'm very conservative on a lot of issues, but I, I can't support this guy. People uh, often don't think about how much support he actually did get among immigrants. It's one of the things you touch on is that there are a sizable number of immigrants who felt, yeah, I'm here and I'm against the illegal immigrants coming in. And so that drove them to support Trump with his harsh stance on immigration. From the audiences that you've been seeing, the friends you have, the other comedians, are you seeing any kind of a change in that? Yeah, I think for the most part, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier. Sometimes when I perform some places, like even like New York City, for example, um, a lot, I get a lot of like Persian Jews come to my show. And I think Persian Jews tend to support Trump. They tend to be more Republican. Um, I have other people that are like wealthy Iranians who will support Trump. It's, part of it is a tax reason. Uh, the other part is that a lot of people that are religious, whether they're Jewish or Muslim or Christian or whatever, when you're religious, a lot of people are more they're conservative. Mm -hmm. When it comes to social issues, they're conservative. So when I talk about my support of gay marriage, I think some Middle Easterners that are at my show, whether they're, they're Arab or Iranian or even Indians, Pakistanis, whatever, they get turned off because they, they don't support it. Or, or when, I, when I talk about my support of the LGBT community or somebody who wants to have a sex change, go for it. I don't care. So I've, I, I'm very liberal-minded, and there are people that fit my profile in terms of my ethnic background that are very conservative. So those are the people who ended up supporting Trump because Trump was espousing conservative values. So I think that they looked past the immigrant thing and they go, no, this guy is anti-abortion, he's uh, tough on crime, right. he's going to overthrow the Iranian government, whatever government, whatever it is. So this is a tough guy, so we're going to support him. So I would hope that some of those people have seen the danger of a Trump administration. I mean, us pulling out of uh, the Paris Accords or or just the way, again, just going back to, even if you were to sit across from me and be a conservative immigrant and go, he's done this, that, the other, 
But I would say, listen, the way they implemented the travel ban, the people that were affected that day, don't you have any sympathy for those people? Have you seen any evidence that there's a change in the? I don't know. Months? I really don't know. I look at those poll numbers, and there's still his hardcore supporters still support him. There was uh, after Comey's uh, testimony, there was you know I was watching CNN, and they always go find some Trump supporters, and they were all then convinced that Comey's a liar, that he's not a liar. I mean, it just it it blows my mind. I because what I try to say is. Look, I, I'm a supporter of Barack Obama's. I, I like Barack Obama, um, but he wasn't perfect. He had his faults. So if you come to me and you go, hey, did you know there was a lot of people being uh, deported under Barack Obama as well? Did you know that the list of seven countries that was used for the travel ban was originated under the Obama administration? I would say, yes, those are all uh, issues that I would disagree with on Obama. And if you did a joke about it, I would probably laugh. It were funny. But I think some of... Trump supporters aren't willing to look at any of his faults. And it is a weird psychological uh, uh, situation. And so that's why in my act, when I get into the Trump stuff, I start by saying at some point, I go, listen, whether you're Republican or Democrat, I still love you. Doesn't mean I'm going to hate you just because we don't agree politically. And then I do the whole thing of going, I know that some immigrants voted for him because they wanted fewer taxes. They ended up with fewer relatives, but still. they. I think sometimes... Trump supporters or people on the right, whenever I've done, even under Bush, when I would do jokes, they felt like I was attacking them. I'm not attacking you. I'm attacking this politician. 99% of the time, I'm basing the joke on an actual thing that happened. So it's it's based on facts. Now, if you're going to take it personally, like I'm making fun of your, your mother then that's an issue you have. Like, you, you're too invested in this guy. Sometimes they get upset when you criticize Trump, and they go, you shouldn't make fun of him, he's our president. And I go, that's the whole point of a democracy. Like, we are encouraged to make fun of our leaders. Well, then why don't you make fun of Obama? Because he just didn't do a lot of stuff that was funny to me. I didn't find it funny. And, like, he was very... Uh, professorial, like it was thought out. Well, then why don't you make fun of the Islamic Republic of Iran? I've had people say that to me. I've had like older Persian dudes come up to me after shows. Why don't you make, why you make fun of Trump? Why don't you make fun of Islamic Republic of Iran? And I go, well, first of all, a lot of Americans in my audience don't even know what the Islamic Republic of Iran is. They, they, they would think I'm making fun of Iraq. You know, they come up, why are you making fun of Iraq? And, and I'm not a jukebox. If you want to do it, go start your own blog. So I, I get that. You know, it's crazy. I mean, I'm telling you, I did a show in L.A. and someone sent an email to my manager because I did a lot of Trump jokes. Sent an email to my manager going, you're a coward. You're making fun of Trump, but you're not making fun of the Islamic Republic of Iran. And I didn't even want to see the email because this is my point of view. I am who I am. And if you don't agree with me, that's fine. You don't have to come to my shows. And, uh, and that's it. I mean, that's, that's what I'm presenting. I'm curious, since you made the mention about people, if you said stuff about Iran, they might think you were talking about Iraq. Or whatever. You play on Superior Donuts, an Iraqi. Yeah. And you play up your accent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Can you explain the thinking behind that? It, it seems like reminiscent of uh, some of what Aziz Ansari has picked at about, you know, he's very against doing the Indian accent. The whole first season of Master of None is about this question, yeah. essentially. Yeah. What it tells us about the way that Americans think about uh, people from the Middle East, yeah. uh, that, that that's, that's a role that was there and that is one, as 
someone who grew up in America, does not have a, a strong accent, and is of Iranian descent, is playing an Iraqi, an Iraqi yeah. with a strong accent. Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, first of all, if he was there during the Iraq War, then he, given my age, he would have some sort of an accent. Uh, for me to not have an accent would mean that I am not representing this character properly, biographically speaking. The way I look at it, I know what Aziz is talking about. I personally would love to start playing a character that has no accent. I would love that. But I feel to have a character on a network sitcom that's being seen by middle America that has an accent and is from Iraq, and it's, he's kind of like the Louis de Palma from Taxi, the Louis character, or the Carla character from Cheers. He gets to say some pretty ludicrous stuff but gets away with it and ultimately gets a laugh. So I've had on my Twitter so many people go, I love Foz, what a great character. And this is, these are people that are tweeting me from around the country. So to have a character with an accent making people in middle America, wherever it is, laugh, I actually think that's progress. Because whether he's like saying ludicrous stuff or some of his stuff is like sexist or whatever, I still feel that we are taking a step in the right direction. And, uh, and I think also to the credit of the writers on the show... They've tried to have some things, like there was an episode where someone said, you know, spray paints Arab go home on the, on the window of my dry cleaners. And then the Judd Hirsch character writes, Arabs welcome. So I think, in a, again, as, as political as you can get on a network sitcom, we've tried to show some of those things. And we've also had discussions about trying to represent, like, if down the line we meet his wife or we meet some other people in his family, trying to represent them in a way that America wouldn't expect. So, like, you know, I'm hoping we haven't gotten to it. We'll see in season two. But if we do meet my wife, I'm pushing as much as I can to make her not be docile, but to be very uh, strong. But I think the writers are on the same page as me. Mm -hmm. We've actually had some discussions on some of the lines where I go, I don't think this character should say this line because the way it's going to be interpreted is not good. You know, as an Iranian-American, even though I'm not Iraqi, I'm very sensitive to the depiction and some people some, I know some people have said like oh well it's kind of like blackface you're doing this character you're doing this accent but I actually I, tr- I, I choose to see it differently I, I started my career where the parts were all terrorist parts so this is right, you're a dry cleaner now it's not dry cleaners it's progress it is and ultimately the best part of it though is that there are people laughing you know, with the lines that this character delivers. And so I think, I personally think it's a step in the right direction. Do you worry that beyond that, that comedy will be consumed by Trump? Everybody continues to do Trump jokes. Stephen Colbert's show has exploded in a way that it wasn't last year because he's just become the home of anti-Trump humor uh, and he's far from the only one. Is like, are we going to have comedy that's about anything other than Donald Trump? God, I wish. I really hope. I mean, like uh, people have said, like, oh, Trump's good for you. I go, listen, he's he's great for comedy. He's horrible for the world. I'm exhausted. I mean, I even my act, I talk about. I go, you know how hard it is to keep up with this guy, because as comedians, we need time to develop our jokes. But he says so much crazy stuff every day that it's just like again, you're like really like. Ugh. And Do you want to tell jokes that are not about Donald Trump? And it should be said that, like, almost at the halfway mark, you do, like, the Trump section, and then you move on, and there's a lot of stuff about putting your kids to bed. And, Absolutely, uh, right? yeah. It changes, but, right? But is that going to encroach further, that like, by next year it'll just be Trump jokes? No, no, it's interesting. What's interesting is I feel like under the Bush administration I was doing more political stuff. Then for the past 
eight years under Obama, I started doing a lot of kid stuff. Because also, by the way, my son was born right around the time Obama was elected. And for a second there, I thought to myself, oh, wow, I've evolved and I'm now doing family material. And then as soon as Trump came back and I went right back to politics, I realized, no, it wasn't that my kids were born. It was that I didn't have any material under Obama. I continue to try to develop uh, material about my kids. But again, it's hard to avoid Trump stuff. I really, I do wish I could move on. I mean, I, I, whenever I do a special, I don't know where the next inspiration is going to come from. So the problem with doing a special as a comedian is you sit there, you watch it, you're excited. You're like, oh, wow, my special's out. And then you go, wait a minute, I need to write a new hour. So the way I write um, is I go on stage, talk about some topics I want to talk about, record it, and then fine-tune it and keep doing it, keep doing it. All right, Maz Jobrani, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. That was Maz Jobrani, whose Netflix special Immigrant will be live August 1st. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Bridget Mulcahy, and our intern, Rachel Cusick. And subscribe. Duval Patrick's up next, and you'll want to hear what he has to say about racism in the age of Trump whether he'll run in 2020, and much, much more. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time on Off Message.